Will you outlast your money? Do you stay awake at night worrying about providing for your family? Are you making the right decisions about your investments? There are many life-changing decisions that arise and questions you want answered when going through divorce or after you've received your settlement. This is the Financially Ever After podcast, where you'll hear stories of women like you and get advice from the industry's top professionals. Here's your award-winning and nationally recognized host, Stacey Francis. Welcome to Financially Ever After. Today, our guest is Renee Bauer. She's an award-winning divorce attorney, published author, and founder of the family law firm, The Bauer Group. She has almost two decades of experience representing countless clients and is committed to empowering all women to redefine their sense of peace and purpose in their new life. You see, Renee speaks to this topic from the heart. She herself went through a divorce and needed to learn how to essentially start over on her own as a single mom. She knows what it feels like to face uncertainty, the fear of losing life as she knew it, and unfortunately, shame. So today, she's going to be talking to us about something you don't hear many matrimonial attorneys really focus on, but that is mindset. And she shares how important mindset is to having a successful life after your divorce. In fact, Renee shares that the way you talk about your life during your divorce and after tells her right then and there whether or not you're going to be okay emotionally and financially during and after your divorce. Make sure you tune in, especially to the end. Not only where she gives you the tools to change your mindset to that of success, to that of happiness, to that of embracing your new new, but she also talks a lot about when you can restart your life in particular with dating, because that's a question we all have. When can you start your life again? When can you start your new relationship? Do you need to wait till your divorce is done? And what if your divorce takes five years? So there's a lot that we're gonna go through, but make sure you listen in, share with any friends that you love that could benefit from this information, and thank you for tuning in to Financially Ever After. Renee, thank you for being here at Financially Ever After. I'd love to hear a little bit more about your journey and how you came to this area. I haven't met too many matrimonial attorneys who knew when they were a little girl that they wanted to be (laughs) a divorce lawyer. And I imagine that you probably have a story too. Yeah, I do. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm excited to be here. So I did not want to be a divorce lawyer when I was a little girl. I kind of fell into it by accident. So I actually wanted to work in politics, although now looking back, I realized like I would have been chewed up and spit out. But I started to work in the family law area when I joined a small law firm who did a lot of everything. Mm -hmm. And they were really, really good at and they loved doing criminal defense. And so the family cases, every time they came in, they punted it to the new woman in town. And that was me. So I started to take the family cases because it wasn't their favorite. It was a father-son team. It wasn't their favorite to take. And then 
as I started doing the work, I realized there was such an opportunity in this space to really help people and mm-hmm. to really help them beyond just being a lawyer, but looking at everything from a holistic perspective as to how mindset and how they're approaching the process and really helping them get out the other side. And I think as a lawyer, you go to law school and you're trained to think about case law and statute and all of those kind of dry areas. But in family law, you do have such an opportunity to, you almost do kind of like some social work. And I just saw this as, no, I can make a difference here and I can really help people to even shift their mindset or Mm -hmm. to talk about how co-parenting could be an opportunity to create some new traditions and things like that when people are really struggling. And also to help them not feel so ashamed and embarrassed by the divorce process, which often happens with women. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think what's wonderful is your focus on mindset and you've done so much work around that area. I checked out your website, which I was thoroughly impressed. And you talk a lot about it's not just the divorce, it's your mindset during and after. How do you help a woman who comes to them who has spent their entire adult life with someone, maybe even having children, raising kids, and finding out that they actually didn't know them after Mm -hmm. all? How do you help her pick up those pieces? This is a great conversation to have about mindset. And I often like to start right at the beginning and and so that people become really aware of how they're thinking, because I think it's so easy to fall into a pattern of thinking a certain way. And then if someone points it out and you become a little bit more conscious about it, then you can recognize it when you're falling into that. So for example, when someone comes to see me, the questions they're asking usually dictate how they come out the other end. So When someone throughout the whole process is saying, how am I going to survive? How am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to deal with not seeing my kids every other weekend? What they're really asking and looking for is some external source to answer those questions for them. And on the other hand, if the questions that are being asked are, what can I do so that I can survive? What can I do so that I can pay my bills? What can I do on my time when I don't have my children with me? And it's the slightest shift, but the difference is they're looking internally for the answers. They're not looking for someone else to answer them those questions, but really saying, what can they themselves do? And that makes all of the difference. It has nothing to do with how much money someone gets in alimony or how much child support, but it really has everything to do with what is that person going to do to lift themselves up? And so often one of the conversations we hear in divorce is, I want the house. And usually it's such an emotional response. And I want the house because it's an emotional attachment. And if they're changing that to say, okay, if I'm concerned about how I'm going to pay for a house, what can I do to make sure I'm not house poor? And maybe the answer is I'm selling the house and they're letting go of that emotional attachment because they're recognizing in order for me to make this work and to live comfortably, I have to do some things and I have to make some decisions. And that decision might be, okay, I'm going to live in a house that is going to allow me to go on vacation and I'm going to not have to struggle to pay the bills. So it's just that mindset conversation is the first one that happens because everyone has the power to control how they navigate the process and they're in the driver's seat. And I think when someone feels lost and they feel powerless, it's because 
they're really looking for someone else to provide answers to them rather than saying, what can I do to get through this? Yeah. And I hear you strong and clear that the women who really recover and rebound are those that look internally that take ownership to try to find those solutions. For a woman who comes to you, who you can see is just stuck in that area of despair or victimhood, how can she become unstuck? And I think one of the big challenges is having her realize that she's even in that place. The answer is multifaceted. So one, it's build your team. And so you don't need everybody, but you do need somebody. So sometimes if the challenge that this person is having is really wrapping her head around how to be financially independent, then she needs someone to help her with her finances. And that it might be a financial advisor. It might be someone helping her with her budget, someone who can really educate her and empower her. And education is the key to really getting unstuck and being able to move out of that place in order for them to take a step forward. Now, the other type of stuckness is this emotional despair where they feel like they're unlovable and they're never going to be in another relationship again, or how are they going to function as being alone? And for that, I say do one small thing that kind of fills you up. And sometimes you're tapping into what brought you joy in the past. So many of us have these things that we love to do when we were younger, and then we get married and we have kids and the busyness takes over and we stop doing them. So start doing that one small thing. When I was going through my own divorce, for me, that was writing. And I'm a writer. It's something I've done my whole life. I've done it as a kid. And then I stopped writing. And when I got divorced, it was an opportunity for me to sit on those weekends when there were plenty of weekends when I was crying because I didn't have my son. And it was an opportunity to say, okay, start doing something that you love again and start tapping on on the keyboard. Take the initiative to do those small little things so they don't have to be big sweeping gestures. It's as simple as doing something that brings you joy. And at the beginning, you might have to force yourself to do those things, but you continue to do them and then it becomes habit and then you start to find joy in them. I love how you're talking about self-care and doing things what bring you joy. And part of that worry that you talked about, women of feeling, am I ever going to find someone again? And especially if they've had their trust broken. So life after divorce or towards the end of divorce, or how can you start to create that trust again? Are there things you need to think about legally? too, to protect yourself, especially if you have children. And then my third question, because I'm throwing lots of questions (laughs) at you and we'll get through all of them, but when is the right time to start dating? Mm. So all these things, uh, how do I find that person? How do I establish trust? How do I protect myself if it becomes a serious relationship and possibly contemplating Mm -hmm. another marriage? And when is the right time? There are some people that will say, do not date while you're getting a divorce and others that don't feel that way. And I can imagine for someone whose divorce is taking five years, that's quite a tough thing to hear that you shouldn't be dating for five years. So what are your thoughts on all those things? Yeah, so uh, all of those are great questions. So let's start with the dating piece of it because I always have clients ask me when they're going through the divorce, can I start dating? And so the answer is yes, you can, but are you ready to? Should you start? And so that's not a legal answer. 
and what they're looking for is the legal question. And my answer really has nothing to do with the law. Sure, go ahead. The courts probably aren't going to care that you started dating when your divorce is pending because it wasn't the cause of the breakdown of your marriage. But the question is, are you in the right mental space to date again? And usually when you're coming out of that, you're not. And if you're five years into a divorce, it might be a situ- that, uh, that, that might be the case where there's so much time has passed. You can go out there and you've had enough time to heal. But usually most divorces are a shorter period of time. So you have to give yourself time to heal because when you jump back into something, often what we're trying to do is look for the complete opposite of what we're walking away from. And to be in a relationship with someone who's completely different than your spouse may not be the best decision either. And I think that part of the process of going through the divorce and healing fully is owning your stuff. Like we all play a role in the breakdown of a marriage and whether trust was broken or not, the marriage broke down and there were two people part of that. And you have to figure out what role you played in that so that you don't repeat it in the next relationship. And I think that the statistics are staggering as to the number of failed marriages after the first and when you move on to the second and third marriages. And I think that's because people continue to make the same mistakes and they fall into the same patterns and they're looking for the same type of people. And to really be able to recognize a red flag when you see it and to acknowledge that what your role is in all of that. Because sometimes you have people who are fixers. So they want to be in a relationship with someone thinking, I can fix them. And we know that you can't do that. So I think time and what that time is, there's not a magic stamp you can put on it and say you need a year or two years. Enough time to really spend time with yourself. And I think that when you spend that time and go through the grieving process and feel everything that you are allowed to feel, it's okay, and not kind of quick fix your emotions and put a Band-Aid over it, but then you can really heal properly and show up in the next relationship really understanding what your needs are and recognizing when those needs aren't met. So I think that's the first question. I love what you're saying because you're actually jumping into that second question of how can you trust again? And part of it is regaining the trust in yourself. Yeah. Right. right? And your ability to make good decisions and Mm -hmm. learning to trust our gut, which I know for me as a woman, it's taken me a while to really be able to trust my gut and then be able to start to rebuild sound, successful relationships with other people. Right. And usually when someone has gone through a second marriage, clients that I have anyway, they tend to be a little bit when they're getting divorced, a little shorter. And they usually say, I knew something was up and I got married anyway. Like I had kind of a sign and I did it anyway. And so we have to start trusting that and we have to really pay attention to that and why we're picking partners based on that. And there's a lot of therapy work that can be had in all of this. And Therapy is always a great, when we talk about building your team, I think anyone who's going through a divorce should go to therapy, at least for a short period of time, to really work through that, those feelings and the emotions, because it's a grieving process, and you shouldn't have to do it alone, and you should definitely have some support there. So I had a, a client call me, it was about two weeks ago, and Renee, she was absolutely frantic. Her divorce has been going on for quite some time. And she recently started dating 
and her soon-to-be ex-husband found out. Now, she's not doing anything wrong. The kids don't know. It's not on the weekends that she has the children. It's a lovely person. But he flipped his lid and he stopped paying her temporary support and reneged on the settlement agreement. He was so angry. And obviously, I'm going to take her aside. They're getting a divorce, right? They're getting a divorce. She's not doing anything. It's just that he no longer has control over her Mm -hmm. and is very unhappy. And she's the one who left him. But she's scared. And a lot of the women that we're working with and helping them with the finances, they're scared that if, God forbid, they do move on with their life and they do date and somehow their soon-to-be ex finds out that he is going to hurt her. And one of the easiest ways when it's the moneyed spouse is to hurt her financially. And so, yes, we're going back to her matrimonial attorney. Yes, this is not appropriate and all these things, but there's also that lag. So how do you talk to a woman who wants to move on with her life, but truly fears her soon-to-be ex-spouse who is maybe a bully or a narcissist or a controlling person? Usually, just like you said, that the problem really is nothing to do with the woman and it's not her behavior. It has everything to do with the other person and them feeling like they're losing control and they're powerless in all of this. And so you have systems in place. You have the divorce lawyer that you can call. You have the court that you can go back to when someone does something that's contrary to what your agreement says. So there are mechanisms legally to do that. But the emotional answer to that is very different because, yes, it's easy to file a motion, but when someone is afraid of that and they're kind of stuck and not moving forward because of that, that's a very different conversation. And it's going to take some work on their behalf because they're never going to be able to control their ex-spouse. And their ex-spouse, if that's their behavior and they're narcissistic or they have a personality disorder or there's something like that going on, they're always going to be like that. And so some of this is working with really establishing boundaries as to how they're going to respond to that or not respond. And, you know, I always like to say to clients, you don't have to show up to every fight you're invited to. And they're going to have to really work on saying, okay, when the person starts that conversation or sends those texts or leaves that horrible message, that their response is maybe to not respond to it. And if the person takes actions that are contrary to the legal agreement, then things can be put into place. So hopefully if their reaction is quick and if the other person cuts off money and they file that motion really quick and that becomes what happens immediately when that behavior happens, then you hope that the other person starts to be trained not to do that because they're going to realize that every time that they do this, they're going to be dealing with legal fees or having to be dragged back to court in order to enforce something. And that's, again, where therapy is really important. Yes, having that support. Yes, having that support and knowing how to say no and learning how to stick up for yourself and learning how to deal with someone who has something that really is extra challenging in any sort of ex-relationship. So any parting pieces of wisdom that you would want to share with women who haven't 
decided to get a divorce yet, they're contemplating. It could be for many of them years where Mm -hmm. this has been something that's kind of been going through. What would you recommend to them? So often clients will come to me and they'll say, how do you know? And Mm. that's the question that That is is the million dollar question, right? It is. And they look to anyone, they look to a lawyer to say, give me the answer. And the answer is within them. And if they're asking that question, they need to kind of turn it inward and say, okay, what's their head telling them? Those are going to be all of the external forces. That's going to be what friends and family are saying. And what they think their perception of divorce is and all of these external forces kind of dictating what they should be thinking and feeling about a divorce versus what's inside and what is that telling them? And that usually that external, you could probably list 10 or 20 things and the internal is usually just kind of one thing. And that's what is their heart really saying? And it's to tune out all of the noise and all of the chatter of everything around them and really listen in. And, you know, sometimes people do that through meditation, journaling, really kind of tapping into what is it that is making them so unhappy? Is this something that is not fixable? Not feeling like they can't make a decision because of all of these external influences. And so often I think women get stuck and because they're caught up in the shame of it. And there isn't any shame in getting a divorce. And there's so many people who are going through that. And that does not have to define you. And it's so heartbreaking to see someone come to me and their kids have just graduated high school and they decided to wait. And so much of their life has passed by and they waited and they stayed in a toxic marriage. And it doesn't have to be that way. I have to say, as awful as COVID is, I do feel that there are some bright linings and one of them being that it really is helping people think about, am I living my best life? Is this the life that I want for me and for my children? And I mean, for me, even personally, and knock on wood, I'm in the right career. I'm with the right person. I love my children, although there are some days um, I know you have a teenager too, (laughs) (laughs) but But thank you so much. And I just also want to applaud you because you are so focused on helping other individuals and education more so than you see typically in your field with your writings, with your podcast, with your newsletter, with your website, with your speaking. And I just commend you. And actually with that, I would love for you to share maybe a little bit more about your website your podcast so that our listeners can use some of those resources. Sure, absolutely. So I have a podcast called Happy Even After, where we do a deep dive into all things divorce. Um, We do a lot of mindset and we just had a episode on kind of spirituality and and the impact and what role that plays. But I have experts on there as well as tell stories of other women who have gone through the process and who are thriving now. And then my website is www.mizreneebauer.com. And on there, I have a free video course called First Steps to Freedom, just trying to get someone to start thinking about what they have to do and what decisions they have to make before anything else happens, which often sometimes people don't think about these things until they're deep in the trenches. And then I have an online video course called The D Course, which is a much, much deeper dive into all things divorce, talking about all topics that they'll have to contemplate as they go through the process. 
Well, thank you so much. And Renee, we will make sure, and for all of you Financially Ever After listeners, we will put a link to Renee's website, as well as the two video courses that she meant that she talked about, as well as your podcast, so that everybody has those resources. And you practice primarily in Connecticut? Correct. Great, great. So if you are a Connecticut resident and looking to potentially move on, get a separation or, or divorce, Renee, you're a great person to know. And also, would it be okay if people contact you? We have many people who have moved out of, let's say, New York City or some of the other urban areas and are living in Connecticut and don't see themselves coming back. And so that might be a great opportunity for them to have a consult with you to see, is this the state of domicile? What does that look like for them? Absolutely. And you can contact me through my website. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much. And thank you to everyone from Financially Ever After. Thank you for joining us and listening to Renee Bauer. And I love chatting with her. I have to say, whether you're going through a divorce or not, her advice about mindset is something that we can all benefit from. Setting our boundaries, trusting our gut, especially especially as women, and making sure that you show up for yourself and know that you don't have to show up for every fight that you're invited to. She gave us so much information. So please do check out her website. As I mentioned in the main content, we're going to have all of Renee's contact information available for you. But if you have questions, particularly about your finances, please reach out to me. You can reach out to me via email, stacy, S-T-A-C-Y, at francisfinancial.com. Or you can go ahead and give us a phone call at the office, and that's 212-374-9008. We are here for you and can help you navigate the difficult financial pitfalls that unfortunately some women fall into during and after divorce. I am fully committed to helping women in particular recover and rebound financially because a woman who has her own money, a woman who understands her money, is a woman who has options and has financial security. So please reach out and thank you again for listening into Financially Ever After.